You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the lives of artists looking for balance in a business that doesn't give them much control. What do they do to keep themselves from going to the dark side? How do they find balance in their lives when they're making work but not necessarily making their entire living from it? This is a space for these conversations with my peers. I need to hear their perspectives because I'm struggling with through the same challenges. I'm Leah Walsh, and this is the first episode of the Compass Podcast. I'm so happy today to be talking with Alejandro Rodriguez, who was a classmate of mine at Juilliard. He's an actor, a teacher, a writer, and an all-around wonderful guy and thinker. I always feel renewed after having a conversation with him, so I'm happy to share that with all of you. Welcome to The Compass, episode one. You said it right, I don't make a living exclusively performing, and um, that has come about um, admittedly uh, 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 as many of us partly because certain doors that I knocked on were closed because I think the 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 truth is the blunt truth is if one of the big like pilot auditions I'd gone on when I got out of school would have you know book for uh, you know three seasons or whatever or like Mm -hmm. I got a feature film that made me I doubt I don't know where I'd be. I'm, I doubt I would be exactly where I'm at. And so I think it's naive for me to say, like, I have selected at every moment, I have chosen this path. I think it's a little bit of coincidence and accidents in which doors did swing open and which people were like, come and work for me. Some of them writers, directors, actors, others, administrators, educators, activists, you know. Um, but I can say that now in a different way with a different quality because so much of me arriving at this point has been deliberate and the process of conversations like this, of writing in my journal, of talking Mm -hmm. to my mom, you know, like, and having gotten through that and, and now actually standing and proudly to say like, oh no, I do a mix of things. Um, not only do I do a mix of things because I'm artistically interested in a, a, a mix of things, but I do a mix of things to live in New York City and stay afloat. I do a mix of things to eat out every now and then. I do a mi- There's a number yeah. of reasons um, that I can say I've thought through that I that my my like time in the city has been diversified outside of just commercial um, acting, rehearsing, performing. I mean, auditioning, rehearsing, performing, auditioning, rehearsing, performing. I. I so partly, partly by accident, and partly my being really conscious of like, oh wait, that I'm not entirely quenched by this, or I am really restless when other people have the keys to my schedule. Like I don't yeah. deal well with Into that. Into your future and my future and my uh-huh. travel plans and the amount of time I see my family, which you know, actually probably that's the first battlefront. for me with the commercial acting industry the first trench you know was my ability or or not disability my lack of ability to to go see my 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 grandparents and my nephews there i can remember instances leah where like i'd be getting ready to book the flight or actually had booked the flight and i'd be in a uh, on a subway seeing if i could like get away for a long weekend and here come with the appointment uh 
you know, Beth Bowling wants to see you. At... And it's that mixed blessing of like, yay, they want to see me. Oh, uh, I'm trying to live my life. <laughs> exactly. I, I really want to live my life I really this weekend. Live my life yeah. and my family is hugely important. And, and yeah. so is an opportunity to do what I love. Right. And to, well, to make some money doing what I love. Mm-hmm. Let me be even more specific. Um, but that dilemma happening to me two or three times forced me to, um, like wrestle a little bit more decision-making capacity so that I actually, uh, even more specifically got an appointment while I was down. Uh, it, it was for, uh, I forget what it was. Oh, I, I think it was because a casting director had given me my first TV job and was calling me back in for another TV show. So but I'm, I'm like there in Miami where I grew up about to celebrate like, I don't know, my dad and mom's anniversary or something. Um, and and I, I, I have this like paralyzing moment of do I get on a plane and go try to chase this audition down um, and this opportunity down knowing that there's a, a chance that it might work out for me or do I say like no so-and-so, I'm actually away right now and you can't have my time. Um, and that, that being in Miami, having to make that particular decision was somehow like a microcosm of like winning a, a larger war to say like, I will go, I, I will go in uh, when certain factors work out and otherwise mm-hmm. I, I can have a little bit of say too about. Um, well, making that decision from Miami as opposed to before you went to Miami. Totally. It's a huge thing, too, totally. as far as the guilt factor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, here we're surrounded by people who are making, uh, some of who are making similar decisions with their time, but other people that we care about and we spend time with who are making, who are looking at those same decisions and making them differently mm-hmm. because they relate to their free time or their family or travel differently than you. And so I find this city particularly challenging because I spend my time with people who I love and who I think there should be some synchronicity. I, I like, right? Our minds work similarly. Yeah, this is the same situation. Same situation. But, but uh-uh, that's, that's <laughs> dangerous because they, I don't know, they, they may have, like, they may Skype often with their family and that satisfies them well. But, but my family doesn't get on Skype and so I wait to see them, you know, or, or I don't know, maybe they get more... They they have found a, a a way of of like flowing with their day with their jobby job and and taking whatever comes and I actually really admire people who who don't spend a lot of time thinking about how like piss poor the script that they're working on is like they just immediately do the best job that they can with it and I I never had that or not I want to say never had but that's not doesn't come easy to me like I I'm constantly reflecting like. This is what I'm spending my time on. This is what I'm right. doing. Like, is this the best use of my time? To, at, at all, that plagues me. That is both yeah. um, a question that has led me here in positive ways, and it's also a question that, like, I, I a friend of mine who I was in Johannesburg recently who's doing great um, things, and, and now I got, like, a burgeoning um, TV thing going on, but he also does work as a facilitator, as an improv uh, performer and teacher, and he was saying that he he empathized with me because he analyzes actions and events in his life very diligently, but for some reason has never allowed himself to consider like an eject button as an actor because he says it's a deliberate blind spot that he's created for for like commercial acting auditions where in so many other aspects of his life, he says, I, I, I'm with you, I think, like, is this valuable? Is this worthwhile? But he said, I had to create this sort of neurosis of, like, not looking at that, not thinking about mm. how I spent three hours putting this self-tape together. And, and, and it made me wonder, like, about that, that sort of willed, that willed, like, I won't go there, I won't question it. Um, because if I do, then the demons are there. You know what right. I mean? Like if even I le- if the material isn't something that I necessarily believe in, but I know it would pay me a paycheck. Da, 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 and they're going marching, and they're going in the, in the direction. Yeah. And I sort of saw that, and I said, "Oh, I could, I could see how that might have kept me tunnel visioned for longer had I been had I refused to to like question it at all." And he said it came from a place of like a young juvenile place of like not wanting to lose at anything. 
Yeah. And he said, I had I had told my people back home that I was going to go do this as an actor, and I just was not willing to return a loss. And and I said, I hear that. I hear that. I, I'm glad to say that it's not exactly, I don't feel exactly the same, but um, I really recognize that as as one of the reasons why you're like, uh-uh, not thinking about <laughs> it. doesn't matter. Not thinking about it. It's an audition. I'm saying yes. But you feel you've come to a point where you are discerning about the material or like? I think I have. I think I've gotten to a place now where I look at an appointment and I say, how many months of my life is this? Who will be in the room? Um, what is the quality of the time that I can imagine spending on this project? And um, and then I, I put myself out there. I put myself into the interview, the uh, appointment. And I say interview because I, I think I go through the same process with any project that gets offered me. Teaching. You know, sometimes people, mm -hmm. will, uh, ASAP will have like, oh, go to volunteer on this site or lead this program. And it satisfies a couple of criteria, but then I think I'm away from my girlfriend, I'm away from my community. Uh, it's not worth it. it. Maybe the money makes it. And I think money is a major factor in that regard. And um, which is another reason why sometimes it makes economic sense to keep a fish, uh, a rod in the pool of like the commercial acting thing. And I, I've never envisioned it as a binary where I, I'd have to leave it entirely ever because if an audition comes and it works out like what, what that you love acting like that it's right if they pay you to do what you love then you, great then great and i think that's another another sort of thought disease that we have is thinking about like did you leave it or are you in it like so black and white like mm -hmm. oh you're not doing that anymore you changed that well no um, uh maybe i'm being more discerning about like you may be in a season of your life where you don't want to leave the city so you're not taking regional mm -hmm. auditions, right? Um, you might be in a period of, of your life where you actually are only wanting to go on like um, low, like only commercial. Like I can I can see uh, a lot of the actors who I meet in commercial auditions who I don't see in legit auditions having lifestyles that allow them to do a bunch of throw like a cast a wide net of commercials and have other jobs that they that they do to earn income, the way that you put the, um, the Jenga together, to use a favorite <laughs> metaphor of mine, is, uh, is, is, I think can be healthy a lot of different ways. And we get really dramatic about it. Mm -hmm. You're not doing that anymore? Oh, sorry. Sorry. So like, what are you sorry? Uh, yeah. Think of yeah. it as career evolution. We kind of surpassed the initial question Sorry. But in a good way. In a good I, way. I will be, uh, that will be I a problem it. of mine. I knew that would be you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the initial question is, what do you do when you feel, feel yourself going to that dark side? Yeah. About being an artist. I do a, a handful of different things, all of with the goal, I think, of dr zooming out. Um, because I find... Fortunately, I have an appetite for like nonfiction, for for history, for politics. The moment I get onto any anything that zooms me out of my my present, like just you conundrum, exactly as an individual, because suddenly, instantaneously, you realize like, oh, I'm doing a super rarefied job, or trying to do <laughs> a super rarefied job, which. Yeah is for an incredibly limited demographic of people who do it, right? Um, I've, I've been, you know, I, I'm do, just the fact that I'm going on auditions in this city means that I've already surpassed a huge percentile of the people trying to do this really strange and weird mm -hmm. job in this very strange, for a limited number of people. And you see how this is starting to happen, like, as, as you go more macro, a lot of the very peculiar anxieties of, like, I'm a failure. I'm I'm not I'm sizing up. It's like no, you're you're talking about play acting and it's something that is is structured be, because of the the economics and the way the industry is built. It's not looking exclusively for your talent or your spirit or your artistic it, it's looking for uh, a cog in a production that they're trying to make and and how many people are ultimately going to going to gonna see it like i don't know i i find that for me the best thing to do is listen to uh 
some music, read a book, go to the park, anything that allows me to remember that I am a, mo a, a like a speck of dust and that my contribution is is valid, but it's also like small. Um, and, and in particular, as an actor, like what was I trying to get? What was I trying to, to do that I failed at that sent me into this dark place? Chances are it's not the thing that is going to ultimately like define me or go down as a testament of who I am. It's probably just like a play that would have been nice to do or four or five lines on a television show that that some people will see, you know? Right. Uh, it isn't like um, the thing that I, I think about people will... will uh, be talking around around my like uh, uh, casket, you know, which is a, a pretty moribund thing to say. But that's another way of drawing the lens wide is thinking about mortality. Like, the, my, you yeah. know, you know, uh, we lost uh, a friend of of ours, a very dear friend of mine, in, at school. You know, and I've lost another friend since, very young in their early twenties, and those were incredibly sad experiences, but incredibly liberating. And with relationship to this stuff, because I go back to those people and it's an immediate zoom out, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What am I dark about? Like, right. Uh, I'm in my 20s. I can actually make a radical pivot if I wanted to. Yeah. And, and go. I can try harder. And in I can. This moment. And I can try harder in this moment and let go of whatever small things I could let go of. And I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes they linger like a bad audition or, or not being treated fairly, like feeling mm -hmm. the injustices of the industry, which are many. Uh, I don't want to posit that as like, oh, just think about your friend who died and like, and you'll immediately Ooh. forget about it. No, it's not like that. Sometimes that you're like, fuck it, I'm still pissed, you know? No, but that's part of your experience and it's a, a thing you can draw on. Yeah, but I do think it's let goable. You you can you you're choosing to keep chewing on it and to keep it in your mandible like as a thing you're turning over like fuck this this casting thing or fuck this way that they ran the audition or fuck the the way they treat like minorities and women like you know ah and and I think that as long as you recognize that there's value and usefulness in in sitting and 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 tearing on it you also can come home get a bath pour a glass of wine you can put it aside it's going to be there in the morning you know what mm -hmm. i mean like um and so you don't always have to be um embattled do you find little tricks to to relieve yourself for a second yeah. for a night's rest and i know for you like a huge part of your life now is teaching yeah is that something that you always thought would no. be there or like when was the moment when that happened or it snuck up on you or yeah, snuck up on me, in, <laughs> in, in, and I don't even like. I mean, I've watched it happen, but yeah, because for you, what's weird is I still the first line of my bio. Whenever someone asks me for my bio, is always like this metaphysical. I think I, maybe we've spoken about this. This metaphysical dilemma every time because I write like Alejandro Rodriguez is an actor, educator, backspace, backspace, <laughs> is an actor, teacher, backspace, backspace, is a, you know, because I'm watching myself struggle with these I labels, with yeah. identities, you know, and teachers still one. It's probably the thing, Leah, that I can tell you comes most naturally to me. Um, and still I can say that and am finding my comfort inside of this like label and this because I just never mm -hmm. thought of it as my lifestyle I thought of myself as like um I don't know like an abstract expressionist painter <laughs> in the village with paint on my paint on my pants and like a journal everywhere I go and some of that I still have paint on my pants and I do carry a journal but I I I feel useful when I'm teaching and that was a surprise and um I don't know other than other than that I had to at some point admit to myself that I was good at it as good or better than I was naturally as an actor. And I, mm -hmm. I, I, that is not to put myself down as an actor. I think that I bring a lot to text, you know, um, I certainly try, try my darnest and I've worked really hard, but I didn't ever take any pedagogy classes and I just understood something about um, connecting with young people. 
And I think it's partly because I affirm from my own place of like <laughs> messiness and insecurity and wandering, I affirm that in them, you know? And I also affirm the fact that they can be lifelong artists, um, whether or not they decide to monetize the the yeah. art, right? Like I think a, a thing, a banner that I'm, I wave high in everything, every educational place I go to is like, um, you can do this. This can feed you for the rest of your life. And that is a separate decision than like whether you want to get legit representation or live in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. Like it, it, art is our inheritance. You remember that Richard, that thing that Richard um, shared with us about the theater is a calling, a passion, a craft. Mm -hmm. It's now on the Juilliard website. I wanted him, <laughs> I wanted to learn it because he listed a lot of things that the theater can be. And what has dawned on me in my time out of school is that it isn't always all of those things at the same time. Because one of them is like, it's an industry, it's a profession, it's a calling, it's a political act. And I, I guess the idea that um, a young person finding the theater or music or dance um, can find a way to keep it in their life hmm. um, without having to um, have that be a narrow, like... I feel like that's such a pressure in our society for some reason is to monetize everything. Anything you do should be the you way you support yourself, the way you make money. Yeah. And I know it's frustrating as a artist to put that pressure on yourself, but also as a teacher to like teach young people, like there's so many benefits of arts education and learning those skills and interpersonal relationships and all of those things. Um, but keeping out of it, the fact that now it's this social media world where it's like everyone wants to be a star and like yeah. the performing arts has been taken over in some ways by, by that world. Yeah. I don't, it's strange. In, in a weird way, like I think it, um, that they have, they share like genetic material with the performing arts, like the viral uh, uh, videos and the the um, the movement and the activity that there mm. is on there. And I do, I have certainly seen webisodes and and stuff made for the digital world that is as impactful and as artful as any as other stuff. But I I also see a lot of the effort as um, motivated from a different place, I think, than what brought us, for example, to conservatory. Like, um, as I investigate what my motivations were, like, they're really old and self-serious as so, like, <laughs> like to tell great story to, I can, yeah. you can look at my live journal from high school. I, <laughs> I wonder if I'd find similar things in diaries of yours. I would love that. Uh, that say things like, I want to help tell my like my generation story right. to my generation i want to help I document communicate shakespeare to young people to young yeah. people yeah like these big and i i think that the idea of it being viral or visible um if it entered into my like mathematics it did much much later and came and went you know i i see i see the the people who have like hits in their mind and, and, and getting likes and they are amazing at those things. I have no idea how to go about that. I mean, some, in some instances I've had to learn just to produce, like help a, a play get, you know, people in the seats Praise, or like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and you pick up a skill or two because increasingly that's has to be part of your toolkit too. But the basic motivation of what draws somebody to like, update weekly with two minute videos to keep their following like active and is not familiar to me. I, I am the, I'm motivated to have like deep conversations around tables with mm -hmm. like pages in front of us about words and, and characters and, and, um, and that's okay. I think all of those people can find a place. I hope, <laughs> I hope we still have a place. <laughs> people like us in New York, we kind of do, but I, I Yeah. It scares me. It scares me that the two things are melding into one um, and that increasingly, I don't know if you've heard this, but like people telling 
telling like reps telling their actors that oh the day will come when you'll be cast based on like your 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 likes or or how many tweet retweets that terrifies me yeah right it's kind of terrifies scary. me like how many instagram followers you have or whatever right. you've heard that too yeah so i'm gonna make that up yeah i don't that'll be the time that i i i don't work in that in, in that yeah, particular the industry that's fueled by that i don't know if it if it's mine and maybe and that's, we both know people who defy that who don't participate in any of those social media things yeah. and succeed beyond belief but it's scary to think that those decisions are being made based on that yeah and i i wonder if if what if our realm is like an an offline one like it's if it's based on the quality of like the the live exchange mm-hmm. um maybe maybe it's naive to think that we'll be like ushered out entirely maybe we'll just need to partner with people who have a fluency in the digital uh the digital sphere but maybe our, our our skills our interests um will remain part of the conversation because you know you can be as good as you want about getting people into a room but what you do with them in the room who you put on stage in front of them is still gonna ma- you know yeah it's still gonna matter and so i don't know a really well-trained actor is a is a valuable thing and i i want to think of, i want to think that's going to be true can for a i long ask because it's something that i struggle with yeah how you commit yourself as a teacher while still keeping yourself open to possible opportunities as an actor. Yeah. Without feeling like, Oh my God, I can't commit to this. Cause what if an audition comes up? What if such and such comes yeah. up? No, it's a, it's a very, that's a very good question. And it's a good question because, um, I, I, I can't answer it other than to say like, I have stolen literally stolen lines from emails or or phrases that i've heard someone say that i think oh that didn't sound dickish and that was super clear and uh um transparent and didn't wasn't non-committal like for example when getting an offer first of all one thing that i've i've started uh to do is just always say can i have uh, uh some time to think about it whether you have a yes on your your mouth or a no on your lips like always just saying can i get 24 hours i'll I'll get right thank you for the offer can i get 24 hours um and then and then crafting a response that is clear in the four in the forefront as possible which is like hey um just to be clear if a if a uh a performance opportunity comes up um you can if it's if you if it's like before this date if you're willing to commit yourself fully after a certain date it, you may have to say if a performance opportunity comes up period i might i might have to leave at that point your employer gets to decide whether that's a risk they want to take you know but i as find a teacher. as a teacher yeah. and i and mind you for a while as a teaching artist in the city most of my engagements were an afternoon uh, uh, uh two or three days which right. i could either book myself out or like if I had to leave for a quick audition, I'm only now I'm answering your question from the lens of being offered like a semester. Right. Which I know you do, which, which for me is a different, more difficult thing in terms of responding. Um, because that's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's go back. Even the, the afternoon thing, if Mechie, for example, our classmate Mechie, who does a lot of work uh, with the Classical Theater of Harlem and has her fingers in so many cool cookie jars in terms of theater and education, she will uh, ask me, hey, can you come up to Project Classics and, and do an afternoon on, on August, I don't know, 18th, right? Um, asking her, you know... Uh, as many questions as I need to give her an answer, you know, compensation, uh, preparation, am I teaching with a co-teacher, or like how long is it? And then if I know uh, there is a chance that something might take me away that time, being clear with her that, that hey, um, I, just so you know that I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to audition through that time, um, though the realistic truth is I think a lot of time the fear that we can't sign up first things especially that are still in the in the city um because something might take us away is something that we amplify in our own minds because mm-hmm. most of the time i realize like if i've agreed to do something from two to four with mechi and i get an appointment like i could i could ask i've gotten a lot better at just asking like hey are, are there other times in the day that mm-hmm. they can do that or do they have a session the day before do they have a session the day afterwards and you know sometimes you get a no and you have to make a hard decision but 
just you know your Google Calendar is your friend and transparency in terms of telling people just like talking about it, talking about yeah. it because they I think it's on them and as somebody who hires freelancers too now or engages them, I've had to learn like, all right, if I actually am gonna lose money, or 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 something more valuable, but let's say money for example, because you back out on me, mm-hmm. right? Let's say the week of. Then I have a couple of things as somebody who's engaging you as a teaching artist, Leah. I can say, hey, if you agree to this by August 13th, you know, uh, it, it, it's going to be firm or you have to give us the stipend that we had set aside for you, you know? Right. Um, with A-Step, some, for example, sometimes we engage people to take like a train to Philly and speak on behalf of A-Step and there's a stipended position. But if it comes after a certain date where we can't easily... Like if we've already bought and replaced them, then it's on the contract. It says like it's on you to either get yourself replaced or to reimburse us the money that we spent. You know, I think that's the employer's responsibility to get themselves covered, because I think anybody in the city who engages freelancers for work should have a set of flexibilities and right. like you should just if they get something else that pays more or if they get just get something else that's better for them totally or, and that is more, what is it new remunerative uh right you know that they could get just more flow like and i always get a little bit dry uh, uh it's a i get a little frustrated or disappointed in the producers or the the admin who give like actors or freelancers a hard time when they have to make that call and say, mm-hmm. Hey, I can't do this anymore. And it's happened to me. I've been on that. end. I've also been on the end of the person being like, Oh fuck, you have to, you're really, you're telling <laughs> me that. Um, so I get it, but I think it happened to me a couple of times and now I'm gaining the insight of like, this is a, the culture that I'm a part of. The culture I'm part of is giggers of they're they're movers, they're shakers. They they take one thing, they love on that thing, and then they realize, oh, there's another path here. I've got to, you know, um, right. It's that it's that uh, Wendell Berry poem that I quote a lot of: "Be like the fox, make more tracks than are necessary. Some in the wrong direction." I love Wendell Berry. <laughs> yeah, go all over the place. And if I'm that's hiring great. you, I'm gonna know your that's your lifestyle, yeah. and I'm gonna put whatever tent poles I need to in our contract in our little letter of agreement to make sure that I don't get which is amazing I wish there were more people like you there I think increasingly there there, there will be because increasingly I'm watching online like blogs by blog posts by directors by admin who are either coming through having freelanced as performers for a while themselves and so they're bringing a little bit more insight or just reared in in the the our generation's yeah. truth, which is that we are having to like be like Swiss Army knives, all of us, mm-hmm. to especially if we want to live That's in the city. That's a great city. way to put it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The hyphen generation. Can I ask how your family perceives your career or how you describe it to them to try to make them understand the craziness that we're living? You are really good at asking questions. <laughs> Is it because you know all the soft spots to... to I mean, I to, know your <laughs> secrets, but also just in general, I want to know that. I know, want to know. I want yeah. the listeners to know the uh, answer to this question. Oh, no, jeez. I wish I knew the answer to this question. Because um, it's a problem for me, so I want to know what you would say. Because it's an odd it's lifestyle, a and it's a, har- it's a hard thing to explain to people who have never dealt with an artist. Yeah. And and it's funny because there's some of I can only speak for my families, but I think it's true for others, where they had to sort of be wrestled from what they maybe thought their their son or daughter was going to do, to to acting, and then they finally get around to sort of understanding and being supportive of what they understand the acting career is. So then they 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 come into a mode of like telling their friends about you know, the school you went to or the auditions you've gotten on or like some random person that you like ended up in a photo with. Like, oh, did you know that, you know? And so they do their best at at supporting you via like standing uh, uh, in a way 
stepping into like the world that they think you're aspiring to, right? Which is mostly movies and television because that's how most people right. understand the life of My an actor. My dad believes I am going to be Nicole Kidman. That's <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it's it. It's not true, yeah. but that's what he understands. And mine, Andy to be Garcia. My future. <laughs> and mine, Andy Garcia. I yeah. hope there's an alternative universe where my Andy Garcia yeah. is acting in films with you, I and would Nicole love Kidman. That. <laughs> um, our parents would be so happy. They would be so happy. In that universe, they're just, they're happy. Um, I think that, I, I, I think that it's a, the problem is one of translation. You use that word and I think, I, I think it's right on. It's like, there are people in this community and in this culture who seem to get it sometimes. Like, like you, like we're having this conversation, we're using shorthand. You, you're asking questions that immediately plunge me into, because there's a, a we were fluent in a sort of language, there's a literacy to, to uh, what it is to be an artist, to use your words. That fluency does not exist outside of this zip code, these zip codes. It certainly doesn't mm-hmm. exist in little like West Miami, where I grew up, where Frankie and I um, grew up. Um, so it's a pro- it's a process of trying to translate from one vernacular to a totally different one, and it is non-stop it is never like I've had I've had small victories um, by you know doing things like uh, telling my dad that there's no use in in, in him following up uh, you know, days afterwards with uh, an audition that I've told him about because I'm trying to put it aside and right, and you would tell him if and something happened. I would happened. obviously yeah. would tell him, <laughs> and and so they maybe do that. They do that less. So that was something they were able to understand. You know, okay. I have not yet gotten um, uh, my dad to like when I go back home and we're we're in the backyard and catch a moment together to stop like asking me questions about law and order or or like um the television shows that he's been the procedurals that he watches and yeah and how why can't my damn agents get me in on those shows i should be on those shows you know and because to get him to get gain the right amount of context to realize why that's like one sort of a silly question and two like can somehow di- like it in- inadvertently deflate me a little bit like because obviously I'd want to be on those shows so right if you had the chance if I had the chance it, it's just it's not easy it takes time it takes um open-mindedness on their part that I th- that I think um you know they're 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 older they they think they they know it based on the knowledge that they have of it so I, like I said my victories have been small the biggest release that I can say I've gained on the whole issue is I I have come in uh, over the last few years and in particular through conversations with my mom where I've shared like the fact that I think I'm pretty deliberately now um, articulating a path that is not like aimed at the bullseye of of being a film star, you know? Right. And so the more I grab hold of that and I turn to my mom and I say like, hey, this is this is the new this is the new Alejandro. This is like what I am looking at now as, as in my life. And I've gotten from her a sense of like, Oh, okay, good. I, I'm so glad to know, go, you know, like I, I, what like I really realized, positive and supportive. positive. And I think it's because all of these, these misunderstandings and miscommunications are just like writhing and flailing in attempts to like love each other. And, that the person that they actually support is the one who they remember, like what our teeth look like when they were falling yeah. out and, and what our, our crazy idiosyncratic impulses were when we were four and five. Like, I think they love something that is less, less, um, easily codified as like, uh, uh, someone who is an actor or who is a professional, this like, and yeah, they, they love were, your cells. They, they love, love our cells, DNA, our souls, like, our spirits. Your mom loves you. As exactly. A, and and then what a happens? Baby. As they as a little baby, <laughs> they try to chase our different 
like manifestations of our career because we share that we're like yeah. hey I'm gonna do this I'm gonna go to Juilliard and we change our minds and I feel like the comedy of it is that they're like running behind us no. trying to gain enough understanding to like be able to support us and when they finally catch up we've moved to another place right. so they're talking about Nicole Kidman and it's like ah uh, you know mom <laughs> that's no longer what what I'm looking at or if it ever or was that's something. not the reality that I'm faced with that's yeah. not the reality that I'm faced with. And yeah. I can try, and I think it's worth trying. I can try to like download as much of that through our conversations, through our awkward like exchanges mm-hmm. as possible. But there's a point in which um, we're going to get lost in translation. And I think as long as we can fall back to like, okay, we're not, we're not, we don't understand that about each other yet. Um, but sh- but, but the fact that she's you. aware of the difference and she's listening, like the, Huge. The fact that she's aware of the fact that you're in this other environment and you're trying to share it with her is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's sensitive to how much like um distressed that this question that you asked has caused me. Yeah. Because I've I I oh, don't get emotional. <laughs> I can't get emotional. I don't count wins that don't go through that aren't wins for my family. Um, like that's the way, one of the ways that I get, uh, like joy. Yeah. Like you want to share it with your family and it doesn't count much if it only happens in New York and the only people who understand why it's a good thing are like my pals here. It matters a lot that they understand why it's a great thing. And it feels great Hmm. to come back to New York because the people who are in my circle look at me with, I don't know, like, uh, I wanted to say respect. Um, if not respect and understanding that makes me feel like I'm in my skin and I'm Alejandro in like a, a, a full way. Cause I'm in New York and people know these things. And I think my mom has been sensitive to the fact that I, I will, I will turn and toss my whole life away to try to get that understanding and respect in their mm-hmm. eyes when, cause I've done some things that I'm incredibly proud of that I can still say, um, home home has only processed about 50% of why that's meaningful. Like I'll do something that took a year and every ounce of my body and I'll go home and, and my dad will be like, uh, did that, did that leadership conference happen? Oh, oh, Ugh. oh good. I'm glad it went okay. <laughs> and he'll ask, like, he'll ask like it went okay. Good, good. I'm glad. So have you heard about the Florida Marlins? Um, <laughs> and, and I'll, You're I'll, like, Oh, that thing I put my entire heart and, and soul into, into everything. Yeah. That changed 30 people's lives. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that, those are little blows. Those are little blows because it matters so much to me, but my mom, just to call her out because you did, um, I think watched me in that place of like dissonance and, and so sort of redoubled her efforts to be like, um, no, you're changing. I'm going to keep my eye on it. Keep talking to me. We'll, we'll, uh, like, um, I'll go, I'll get there with you, you know, whatever you want to call yourself. Cause, cause it's, it's a process of finding the words just like yeah. that first line of the bio is like, what is it? What is it? Theater. I've, I've recently started using oh, theater. I'm so glad artist. she's there with you though. That's an amazing thing for her even to be open to trying to understand what you're doing. Yeah. It's great. Those are lifesavers. Those people. Um, I mean, literally like in, in the sea sort of literal version of like, um, I think we want to be seen. Yeah. And and by I mean like with a capital S, like seen, mm-hmm. seen for what we are. And it just feels good to be in the presence who's of someone who's seeing you. And I think that's a lot of that's one of the reasons why people stay despite it being hard to to stick around in the city like the idea of going to communities far from here where we might be lo- we might be totally invisible in that way. Right. Um, there are people here who see, you know, uh, um, what's Can you happening. talk a little bit about, just because I know you've worked recently as an actor professionally and been paid for it, and as you should be, and you've also made your own work mm-hmm. with friends and collaborators, which was beautiful, and but didn't necessarily pay you for no. it. <laughs> no, no. Can you talk a little bit about that difference, about how you feel about being compensated as an artist versus 
making things that are not being compensated by whatever whatever it is that compensates us yeah. as the hierarchy of <laughs> commerce of value yeah which we put ourselves into by trying to make money off our art but there's a yeah yeah i i guess and and i don't know if this is i i get in debates about this with with ismenia my girlfriend a lot mm. um and I, so i've come to think of it as maybe a little controversial um though i know i'm not alone i've i've no, it is. I've read, read to is. people. But I think of the work that I get hired to do as an interpretive artist, like um, a script that exists, a production that's that's been budgeted and um, produced, if you will, uh, and I'm just being hired to show up at a place and, and, and um, do the performance. Which is satisfying, I'm sure, in oh, a way. Oh, my like God. get a paycheck. But that, that has increasingly felt like like v- vacation like oh my god you're telling i can just act right i could go to baltimore and, and act in do? a play what yes you know yeah um but because of that it's also the thing that clearly i would do if if i could and the projects were right i would do a lot more of it because it's it's the funnest thing that i do all year is act in place like and I mean that specifically plays because the times I've been on set, it's been like stressful and hard work for me. But, but, and I know that there are people who get really accustomed to it and, and, and fly. But uh, being in like a rehearsal room and the fluorescent lights and hardwood floors, that's the shit. <laughs> I know you and know. And that's all you have to worry about. That's you don't have to it. go home and worry about other things. And still you that's will it. worry about it. You will go on the train and you'll be thinking about, you'll go through line, like, you, it's just divine. And I know I'm talking yeah. to somebody who, who feels the same way. Totally. Um, but it's also because I'm I'm like, I try to be really hard nosed about about my assessment. It's also something that I don't think I should assume. People are always going to be willing to pay me for. I I re- I know enough about the way that markets function and the way that theater is, um, like underpinned economically, you know, and, and in terms of subscribers versus grants versus, you know, not-for-profit versus commercial for-profit theaters, the few of them that exist. Um, the, the fact of the matter is I wish that there were more of an appetite in this country to pay for theater so that mm-hmm. more of my talented theater artist friends could make a living doing it. But because I feel so lucky to be, to be um, asked to do it for money, I haven't... I don't go so far as to say like the problem with uh, the theater is that they're not paying us actors enough or there's not enough jobs for actors. I think there are exactly the amount of jobs as people are, are as like the, the audiences are going to see, you know? And so that's where I get led back to education because I think, well, we need more people who want to see plays and who value mm-hmm. it enough to pay ticket prices so that we can get insurance and we can have families because the theater is is a rare it's like a um an acquired what it's um that's a great way to think of it though is like developing an audience rather than developing a talent pool a talent oh my goodness well cuz the economic yeah system is lopsided but it's people who want to see theater as opposed to people who want to make theater that's it that's it that's it. And that's why work with youth is so getting like when I take that LaGuardia class to see off Broadway plays and I mm-hmm. see literally I see one or two kids f- per play sort of switch over to be like, oh, shit, this exists. Yeah, like, this I'm going to go on dates. I'm going to take my, <laughs> my girl to like see some dope New York theater. Like, I think I just did a good I just did a better thing w- taking these kids to Rattlestick than I have done in doing like a five month run of a play. Sometimes I feel that way. And mm. I know that, that performing in good plays, it's like, you know, um, what is that Keats? I think it's Keats, a thing of, uh, a thing of beauty is a joy forever. A good play is a joy forever. It resonates into eternity. I'm not downplaying like the work I've done as a performer, but man, in terms of just the, ec- like writing the economics of it all, I feel like creating young, people young people especially young people of color like um turning them into to theater enthusiasts is gonna get my friends jobs some down somewhere That's down so the line interesting yeah because i would i guess i would fear like as a struggling artist now i would fear educating people to be future professionals just because it's 
fucking hard. Totally, totally. And I don't, I, that's what's funny is that I'm reticent to encourage and educate people towards wanting this As to a be profession. a profession. Yeah, because it's hard. Uh, it's totally hard. And whenever I'm in, like in, jo- in Johannesburg, whenever I'm working with ASTEP, whenever we're talking about teaching the arts to young people, I'm the one who's like, wants to parse out the clearest that we are giving them art as a lifeline, as right. a practice, Which as a I meditation. Also understand and value, right? Yeah. And yeah. that the question about, and I, I'm pretty clear as far as like where I've come to, as far as them, somebody in our camps or our programs wanting to be a professional musician mm-hmm. or be a professional dancer after taking an A step class or actually taking an Alejandro like theater class. I'm of the belief that if they decide that they can't shake it and they want to monetize it, they will approach me and they will ask me questions about what is it like getting into the profession. At that point, I will deal on a case-by-case basis and be as transparent as possible about this is what it meant for me. Here are some other people who are more like you that you can go talk to about what it meant for them. But to the – and the reason why I make it clear that I wait for them to come up is that I wouldn't impose – Mm-hmm. the lifestyle of somebody who monetizes their art form on uh. anybody. Why would I want that for young people? I, if they can't shake it, then they'll come to me after class and be like, yo, Ale, that poetry is stuff is amazing. I think I want to be a published poet. Then I can be like, all right, well, I, let me let me point you in some directions so people yeah. can help you. But let that come from your own yeah. dreaming and nightmares and not from me being like, oh, a- being an actor. I think right. it's... No, but it's so important that that's not the ultimate goal. Like you're getting skills from that for your daily life, for your oh, future. That it's, it's not most... necessarily being a professional at it, but it's it's going to enhance your life to learn these creative skills. Hugely, it might just save. It might be the only hope we have, like for yeah. saving, for saving, turning the tides. It, it, I mean, we're talking about co collaborating with people. We're talking about communicating with mm-hmm. people. We're talking about. Um, Which giving is sadly feedback from most of our society nowadays. It's, it's the biggest thing, and it, it it's reaches is much broader than um, I mean arts and classrooms and arts with young people much broader than the de- specific demographic that goes to like see plays in theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting an opportunity to to intersect with people in spaces that won't ever cross that threshold. You know. Can I ask you? As a writer, is there a special place in New York that you like to go to write? Is there a secret, a secret haven you have? I'm still searching. I'm still searching for havens in New York. This year has been a big like quest for them. Because um, we've been here for ten years now. I know, but I haven't been really identifying as a writer or like um, actually looking at that lifestyle mm-hmm. for the last eight years. It's only been like a two-year thing. Where I'm like, oh, where are my writers? Where are my, where yeah. are my like havens? Where are my my notes? Yeah, but what's that like place that makes you feel at peace? Um, Riverside Park because we went to school so nearby, and I remember like lots of late night convos with Gabriel Ebert <laughs> by the rocks or by the benches uh-huh. there. Yeah, uh, and I go still there. Like I just I find the water wherever possible yeah. because the water makes you think deep things. Um, and then I, re- weirdly enough, when I was writing sorry, which is a piece you were making reference to, um, because it was an urban play and it, I, I wanted it to sound, or my hope was that it would sound like a city, you know, and not like Emerson or Thoreau or whatever. Like, even though that's, I naturally want to go into those pl- those places of like <laughs> nature and serenity. I knew that Sari had a narrator who like spoke like he was on a train, you know, mm-hmm. and libraries like New York has this yes. constellation of public libraries, all oh. of which are really different from one another. I love the public libraries. Yeah. Totally. And many of them are play like hosts to the, the characters of the characters. Yes, like, people who need somewhere to go. Totally. To just kill time. To kill time, to mm-hmm. get some AC. Um, so it was tough because sometimes I'd go on like flurries in the library and other times I wouldn't write anything because I'd just be people watching. I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I was going <laughs> to say something, but who is that dude over there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, unlike anyone else, uh, um, Parks, uh, Tryon, and, and, and the Central um, version. And I think the thing about New York 
that fits fits well with my writing as I've understood it right now is like the desire to shake off to shake off something I was doing with a walk, like taking a, a, a stroll and to come back to another chapter or to another sort of task. New York is perfect for it because you can just be like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go. Because you, you know, feel like you're accomplishing something, like you're doing something. Oh, yeah. Walking. Walking, changing locations. You just sort of like, it's like yeah. taking your brain out to, to pee in the, the, the fields. Um, and showers. <laughs> I learned that Steve Jobs used to take like four or five showers throughout the day. I did not know we had this in common. You take showers yes. too? Yes. Uh, it's like my one eco In the summer, I take at least two showers a day. Yay. It's my happy place. It's And it, it, for me, it's like a book to, a changing, turning a page. It's yeah. like, I was doing that thing. Now I'm not. Because yes. I'm clean. Exactly. <clears throat> so what are, if when you feel yourself going to the dark side, mm -hmm. what are... Something that you turn to, some book, some piece of music, I some guess some more specific, yeah, some piece of art um, that you feel is like an an action you can take. Yeah. I. I will do a couple of things. Like I will go to listen to. Um, I think of it as as serene music or tranquil music in my in my, to, so that you can go into where my brain is right now. The <laughs> playlist on Spotify is called "Pluck the Light Fantastic," <laughs> um, and it's because it sounds like that. It's a lot of Iron and Wine, okay, um, Pig Pen Theater Company, which I've just I was listening to the new album as I was coming over here. Um, it has a lot of air in it. It has a lot of like. Uh, sentiment, you know, things that that just are comfy for me mm -hmm. and slow my heart rate down. And um, I'll go to the sun, uh, wherever that may be, or the water, if, like I said. And I will, I'll sometimes like go and I I, I try to find like some some really deep or profound piece of like. Uh, um, poetry or or book but most often um anything that i can get hooked into that i can carry with me in my back pocket like the book definitely has to be paperback so it can go into like a, a coat <laughs> and i i'm shameless about continuing to cycle until the book has actually like sunk its teeth into me so what i'll do in those moments of like wow well, i'm i'm fading i'm i'll look or i'll think to myself what am I reading right now? And nine times out of 10, I'll realize that there's nothing that I'm carrying around with me that has, has grabbed me. And it has allowed me to like be in an ether, like a vacuum for a moment, as opposed to have like a, a world to zoom a book out. That's drawing you in. Yeah. And that's, I'm in dialogue with it's outside of the, because it really is just about having gotten imprisoned for a while in a specific paradigm a specific set of circumstances all i can think about is how few auditions i'm going on or all i can think about is how um this other actor is getting this opportunity that i know i could have killed mm -hmm. if i would have gotten an audition and so what you're really looking for is something that either allow you to leap over that fence onto another like house for a while yeah. or or break that fence down so the world obviously appears huge and diverse again and I usually find that when I can't get out of that little monastery I've created, that cloister, it's because, oh, oh, I'm not carrying a book around me right now. There's no album that I'm like, you know, meditating on. So then I'll go in search of it and throw a book aside until like I find myself um, caught. Something that's really like taking you in. Taking me in. And for me, you know, it's odd, I think, because we, we read a lot of plays. It's usually nonfiction for me. I'm trying hmm. to get my like my fiction game and short stories have helped because short stories are well sized for like subway trips, um, coffee stops and stuff. Uh, and you know I got I fell hard for Mr. Sant for George Saunders' stuff mm -hmm. and um, but I, I'm really trying to work on my novel game and and um, trying to get some good recommendations for novels. Do you have any? Have you read any good novels recently? Um, I just read a book. Because I had been missing that. I Because I, I grew up reading voraciously, and I miss it when I'm not doing it. I just read a book called My Brilliant Friend. Hmm. 
So I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say you wouldn't like it because it's about women. I want to think that you would like it. Sure. It's about women. Um, it's about like two female best friends growing up in Naples in like the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. It's really like mafia-driven mm-hmm. community. Whoa. Um, from the time when they're like 10 or 11 to the time they're maybe 18. It Whoa. was excellent. Who's, yeah. Do you know? You remember the writer? I don't. I'll, okay. I'll let you know. My brilliant I'll look friend. It up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- I was just saying that I'm trying to expand it. But into, I, n- you know, I need a new one now too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I I. One of the books that I recently tried to crack, and put it aside because it wasn't synchronized. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. in the moment that I was in. It it, it, it that, But I do think it's so beautiful, and I wonder if you've heard of it or has ever caught your interest. It's called. The God of Small Things. Yes, I've read that book. By Arundhati Roy. Yes, I've read it. She, she's there's a yeah. wedding and she and her sisters coming back. They had been separated, um, but so far it's just mat like so lush with description, especially mm-hmm. about like the tiny intimate, like the the vapor rising off of the fruit and you know <laughs> just all these really small details. And so I think. I got to come back to it, but because nonfiction for me is, it ends up being like an easier place to go and, and spend I my just wheels. read a book. Yeah. It was all about, um, the people who work in the white house, like the staff. Yeah. Like the butlers and the yeah, cooks yeah. and the, I just, uh, what is it called? Um, I just finished it and it was not necessarily like the best written thing I've ever read, but, um, just fascinating because these people work there through multiple administrations and I think it's just called the residence and was it written by uh, somebody who had worked in the staff like what what no but this journalist who had interviewed all these people yeah it's called the residence inside the private world of the White House Kate Anderson Brower I believe tiny tiny print um yeah that's the sort of stuff yeah it was fascinating because they like have these relationships with presidents and things that have nothing to do with politics necessarily, but like these very very personal relationships that I loved. Wow! Did you ever see the play with um the, called, with about the Queen that was here on Broadway recently? Called I the didn't. Visit? No. Nor I. But it had the premise of like watching this one, one, you know, the Queen meet all of these prime ministers and the cycling mm-hmm. through of like these huge personalities. Um, I think about about that and like the person who gets that fixed fixed viewpoint of like change watching change pass through yeah um i just on sunday saw the new annie baker play um called john which i'm hopefully gonna see this friday oh. i have a standby tickets yes cool this it, is, this is great this the next question was what do you, what have you seen in the last month that oh so, you want to recommend oh lucky so me tell me because i was gonna go off on a, ta- a tangent John. no uh, this is not a tangent this is what i wanted um it was <laughs> you know i don't know who's who's where this is going but i'm gonna be totally honest with you mm-hmm. um it was magical um and suspenseful terrifying and didn't accumulate for me in the very end anyway this is actually a very weird uh, uh, recommendation for it because I know that I, I started by saying like oh this last act fell off but what I mean is that I hadn't seen anything like it until that point and mm. and in particular it's about presences like uh, extra extra corporeal like non non present presences so the character of John is the name of two people who you never meet but who loom over the play in a big way um, there's also a husband of the, the woman who runs the bed and breakfast who lives at the bed and breakfast but never shows his face. Um, hmm. And multiple things like that, individuals as well as events, like the Civil War, for example, is, is their tours and around the whole bed and breakfast. And so you watch, you watch like what, you get to sort of experience what like haunting feels like haunting both in a positive way, like good things lingering as well as like bad things lingering. And it ends up being quite creepy. So that is a recommendation. I know you've been out of town. Do you have another one? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Pr- uh, uh, Preludes, which is closing tomorrow. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, sadly. Um, which is like super epic and, and um, f- 
emotional. Uh, and our, we get to see our boy Gabe like strut around Aww. and sing songs. It was good to hear him sing again. Uh, but that's closing. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, in a week uh, Jesse, Jesse J. Perez in informed consent consent okay. i have to see that too yeah i think i think that's a play i read it and i went out for it i think you would love that it's about a a, a woman who's a scientist and her like being torn between her sort of ambition and her drive for her career as well as some hmm. like um f- you know family and moral concerns and sort of uh and the cast is like perfectly diverse like the in stage directions uh before the play are like, you know, one of every color. Some I don't know what it says, but it's basically like. <laughs> and it's Liesl to Tommy, right? And who's directing? Who's the best? Who's the best? So we'll see that. Well, I want to wrap this up just because I know you have to be somewhere, so I don't want to hold you too long. But oh, it's fine. Thank you so much Bye. for talking with me and going on this adventure with me. Oh, you're welcome. episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook and itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller music by brendan spieth audio assistance from nick choksi and a special thanks to frankie j alvarez see you next time Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.